fashion. This is all in for the love of the game. This is Love Set Match. Andre Agassi had this goal, you don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe you're more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Hey, welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. I'm your host, Philip Kim, also known as Coach PK, the tennis pro for the Langham Huntington Hotel in sunny Southern California. And with me is my wonderful co-host, Valerie Garcia. Uh, Philip, I just have to thank you again, just like all the time. For people maybe don't know, Philip is just the best dude in the world. And I love, you're such an advocate for everything that is right. I'm just really proud to call you my friend. And I'm glad that the programs that like you're a part of, you know, like have you there because tennis needs people like you. Oh gosh, that, that puts so much pressure on me. <laughs> it really doesn't, it really doesn't. Cause it's just your, it's your natural person. It's your natural being. You're just a good dude, you know? Uh. Gosh, I really am only as, as good as the people I'm surrounded by, you know, and so thank you for being my friend and being a part of my life. And also the other coaches that I have that I work with, Brandon and Paul and uh, people <laughs> like Esther Hendershot from the USTA community. I have so, so many friends that I could name that help, help me to keep, you know, as clean as I possibly can. But obviously, you know, even here in Southern California, I can think of several coaches who were coaching for high school that started inappropriate relationships um, and you know were very close to the San Gabriel Valley and unfortunately it just is happening way too often so it's definitely a temptation for everyone in that position of power and um, we just need a lot more accountability because I don't think it's that that I am as strong as I need to be I think it's more that we need to have great accountability and transparency and keep people in check all the time because unfortunately people will do bad things. So I, I have to keep myself in check. Please help me, Valerie, to keep myself in check. Well, you know, it's it's weird. One of the things that I guess uh, made me think when they were talking and interviewing Pam, she was talking about how her parents kind of handed her off at like 13, 14 years old to go into like a training program and then she started the tour and her parents have other kids at home they have to take care of. So they just like kind of entrusted her with this adult um, chaperone, they called him. And um, I'm sure it's very, I'm sure it happens all the time. And I'm, I'm sure there's actually a, the majority of times it's probably fine and, and a good, uh, healthy, fine relationship in terms of abuse. Um <laughs> maybe maybe not completely healthy and and like you said like maybe there's some weird tactics i know a lot of the father daughter relationships in tennis are really really unhealthy in terms of um emotional abuse um that being said what i was thinking is steve simon actually talked about this um the wta ceo 
about all the programs that they have in place and new programs the WTA and the USTA are putting in, in place. But what I thought it was interesting is everything was all about like empowering and educating the players. But I was like, wh- why not maybe offer some of this to the parents? Because maybe the parents are the ones who need some more education on what to look for and maybe like red flags and things like that. Um, because I feel like maybe sometimes they're just trust too trusting. Um, maybe they just don't know. I don't know. That was just my thought was programs for parents might be nice. Yeah. I think that's all of education, not to get too a far uh, field, but I mean, it's so hard for parents to parent these days and to be super involved and, uh, you know, we just need better leaders, I think, right? We need, um, accountability for leaders and, um, yeah, unfortunately, tennis can often be kind of on the on the side, and but I'm sure it's not just tennis. I'm sure it's soccer. I'm sure it's football. I'm sure it's you know, and so any kind of education and training program and accountability is going to be helpful. And uh, yeah, I think that um, that Adidas Girl in Sports program is really good. So I want to encourage anyone who's involved in sports to go check that out, as well as make sure that if you are looking for a tennis coach that you search the USTA website and see if they have a background check. I mean, even asking a simple thing like that um, and not being afraid of the confrontation of it, right? Um, Not just assuming the trust, uh, but making sure that they have a background check. And I think that would be helpful. Well, let's move on, Valerie. We're getting so deep into this, but there's so much more to talk about in tennis. It's true. I mean, I guess this is what happens when you don't talk about tennis for five months. (laughs) I love it. I think it's really great that we're bringing it up and it's, it's never something we can talk about too much because it is so important. It's such a priority. Yes. I mean, we, we definitely talked about a lot of not tennis, tennis. Uh, do you, I mean, well, we did some tennis, but do you want to talk about some tennis, tennis, or maybe there's some retirements, some big retirements kind of went, happened. I don't know. Let's, Where do you want to go? Hear. Yeah, retirements. Let, let, let's see what's happening in the world of tennis right now. We have their biggest retirement, right? I would say is Ash Barty, her second retirement. <laughs> <laughs> and probably her final, right? But she's like, she's one of those rare, like, I'm just going out on top. Super young. <laughs> I achieved all I want to achieve. I'm done. Yeah. Is she like 26 years old or something? She literally <laughs> hasn't even hit her prime. <laughs> Ash, it's always great to see you. I have a slight inkling. Um, I know why I'm here. Probably don't want to acknowledge it, but why am I here today? Um, yeah, I kind of wasn't quite sure how I was going to do this, but I think so many times in my life, both my professional and my personal, you've been there for me. Um, and... I just couldn't think. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. It's just my way. And this is perfect for me to share it with you, to talk to you about it, um, with my team, my loved ones, that I'll be retiring from tennis. And it's the first time I've actually said it out loud. And, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. But I'm so happy and I'm so ready. And I just know at the moment in my heart for me as a person, this is right. And um, I know I've, I've done this before, um, but in a very different feeling. And I'm so grateful to everything that tennis has given me. It's given me 
all of my dreams plus more. But I know that the time is right now for, for me to step away and chase other dreams um, and, yeah, and to, to put the rackets down. Thank you for trusting me again. Um, yeah, you're an inspiration to so many and it can't be easy, but it also must feel nice to, in a way, get it off your chest. Uh, why now, I think, is probably um, going to be the most common question. Why now? Yeah, it's um, something I've been thinking about for a long time and I've had a lot of incredible moments in my career that have been pivotal moments. And Wimbledon last year changed a lot for me as a person uh, and for me as an athlete when you work so hard your whole life for one goal. Um, and I've been able to share that with so many incredible people. Um, but to be able to, to win Wimbledon, which was my dream, my, the one true dream that I wanted in tennis, um, that really changed my perspective. And I just had, a, I just had that gut feeling after, after Wimbledon um, and had spoken to my team quite a lot about it. And there was just a little part of me that wasn't quite satisfied, wasn't quite fulfilled. And then came the challenge of, of the Australian Open. And I think that for me just feels like the most perfect way, my perfect way to, to celebrate what an amazing journey my tennis career has been. As a person, this is, this is what I want. Um, this is, I, want to, I want to chase after some other dreams that, that I've always wanted to do and always have that really healthy balance, but um, I'm really, really excited. I think it will be hard for a lot of people to understand because, as you said, you're a three-time Grand Slam champion. You've just come off winning the AO, probably one of the most marketable athletes in the world. How difficult was it to come to this decision? There was a perspective shift in me in this second phase of my career that my happiness wasn't dependent on the results. Um, and success for me is, is knowing that I've given absolutely every, everything I can. Um, I'm fulfilled, I'm happy. And I know how much work it takes to, to bring the best out of yourself. And I, I've said it to my team um, multiple times. It's just, I, I don't have that in me anymore. I don't have the, the physical drive, the emotional, um, want and and kind of everything it takes to to challenge yourself at the very top of the level anymore and I think I just know that I'm absolutely I I, I am spent um I just know physically I, I have nothing more to give and that for me is is success I've given absolutely everything I can um to to this beautiful sport of tennis and I'm really happy with that and for me that that is my success and I, I know that people may not understand it and that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that um, because I know that for me, um, Ash Barty, the person, has so many dreams that she wants to chase after um, that don't necessarily involve traveling the world, being away from my family, being away from my home, which is where I've always wanted to be. It's where I've grown up and I'll, I'll never, ever, ever stop loving tennis. Um, it'll always be a massive part of my life. Um, but now I think it's important that I get to enjoy um, the next phase of my life as, as Ash Barty the person, not, not Ash Barty the athlete. Well, I know I speak for so many people, Ash. Um, I know your family are going to love having you around more. I'm going to love having you around <laughs> more with more time with you. Um, but I know I speak for so many um, people and to say thank you. Thank you for everything that you've given to our sport 
Um, having known you for so long, one thing I know is that you make decisions that are right for you and they've always worked out and you've done it your way and I think that's really brave. I think that's really credible and um, so thank you for everything that you've done for our sport. Thank you for giving us you, Ash Barty. Enjoy retirement. It's <laughs> <laughs> scary. <laughs> You're amazing. And it must have been so difficult for you to reach this decision and so difficult for you to sit here and actually speak about it. And I know you're going to speak about it more to come. You will. But um, I'm just so proud of you and I'm so excited as well for, for what's next for you as well. Yeah, it was, it was, it was hard, but it's, it's right. And I, and I know that brought me lots of comfort knowing that this is, this is right for me. Um, but um, I'm very excited. Should we hug it out? We should. <laughs> oh, love you too. <laughs> yeah, and she and was unbeatable. Unbeatable. Yeah, world number one. She was just amazing in the way she played. And, you know, uh, I think a lot of people are going more towards power now in uh, the game and Tennis is getting faster and faster on both the men and women's side. It's crazy how fast people are hitting. But Ash was so smart in the way that she played. She was so crafty. She really had such variety in her game. And uh, that was one of the reasons I just loved watching her play. She really brought the slice, the backhand slice, back to form. Because we we loved that in Roger Federer's game. She was you know? like the 2008 Federer, right? <laughs> Just slicing and dicing people like yeah. off, like making them mad. They couldn't do anything. She had like yeah. no weaknesses. Yeah, and pinpoint accuracy too. I feel like she just had really, really amazing control. I didn't feel nothing like a Sabalenka where she's like hitting through the ball and just hitting people off the court, but she could hit people off the court because she would position them so well on on the court and then just hit it where they're not and hit it. It was just amazing her gameplay. Yeah. I'm How do how does someone learn that, right? Right? And then and she didn't even like <laughs> she just came out of nowhere, right? She retires for like two years, goes and plays like cricket or whatever she was doing, and then right. just comes back just like nonchalantly, takes over the yeah. tennis world, yeah. becomes unbeatable, this c- complete crazy force to be reckoned with. Right. And then she's just like, Peace, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I have these two boys that I coach that I feel like are similar to this in some way. And it makes me think of, you know, the the Jedi who identify, you know, the talent of the Jedi early. These two boys are so incredibly talented and they just have incredible hand skills. They can just see the ball. They can, they started hitting right away. They knew exactly how the ball was going to bounce. They knew how the ball was going to hit. Even with like crappy, you know, cheap rackets, they could do amazing things, you know? And so you just feel like Ash Barty must have been prodigy in that sense, right? Like Federer as well. Just that she had that incredible talent, that hand-eye skill. She could just control the ball. Whereas most of us at the record level, we're not even watching the ball. (laughs) We don't even see the ball, really. We're just swinging at air a lot of times and mishitting, you know? (laughs) But just hitting so clean, you know? It's incredible. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely selfishly miss her, Mitch, miss watching her. Her tennis was just a breath of fresh air. Like you said, in a, in a day and age where it's just power heavy, 
Um, she really brought a beautiful game. She made it beautiful, like the way Roger made it beautiful, right? Yeah. The reason why Roger captivated so much of the world of tennis was his style, was his elegance, how he made everything look so easy um, and beautiful. Yeah. That, that I mean, obviously his personality and all the other stuff like, you know, made him our beloved. Sure. But his game had so much to do with it. And I felt like Ash really kind of had a lot of the essence of a Roger-esque type of game. Right. Just uh, f- free flowing, easy. Like it never looked like she was never breaking a sweat, just kicking people's butts like so easy. Um and mentally, I'll miss it. Yeah, mentally, just mentally, so strong. You never really. I, I don't know if she just had an incredible game face because even in interviews, she would never give much away. But just mentally on court, you never felt like she was struggling. You never saw that like outburst or that struggle that, like, I can't do this kind of vibe. And where does that come from? It's just incredible. Yeah, it is. That's what makes it look so easy, right? Yeah. It's like not so much even just the shots that she can make, but the fact that she's just like not bothered by any of it. Right. Oh, I'm right. two break p- points down. Yeah. Big deal. Who cares? <laughs> just another point. You know, just another day. But she was, she's so good. I'm gonna miss her. I was. I'm also sad that we're not gonna get to see like how she would have changed the game because everyone would have had to have adapted and brought their level up to, to meet her. Um, and now we won't get that opportunity, which sucks as a tennis fan, you know, as a spectator fan, right. I'm sad for what I'm missing out on, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, good for her. Good. At least we have, we have a new number one now, Iga. I'm all about her too. Iga Swiatek is so good. Uh, I just don't understand how good she is, and I just love watching her play. I'm actually trying to incorporate her swing into my game because she has such a short backswing, such a short, quick whip of her stroke rather than a super long swing. And that reminds me of Maria Sharapova, who just recently announced that she's pregnant. Oh, she's having my baby. <laughs> and so, and congrats to Maria. But it just makes me think of Maria's super long swing, right? I mean, her arm was straight. Mm-hmm. Her very long, beautiful, elegant arm was straight behind her body and would <laughs> swing all the way through the ball. Um, and so the timing had to be incredible. You had to hit so much earlier, swing so much earlier to hit the ball in front. Uh, there's kind of famous videos about WTA versus ATP forehand swings, and they talk about this kind of long backswing. Swiatek has none of that, none of that. She really is changing the way that a girl hits the ball, and and what a great role model that she can absorb tons and tons of pace because of that short backswing and put it back, as well as is so athletic and so gymnastic on the court. It's incredible. She's also quite uh, smart and clever, like yeah. like Barty, right? Yeah. Uh, problem solving, creative. There's there's a decent amount of variety. I don't know if she's definitely not like a, a Barty variety, but right. she she's a squash shot squash shot very well for for defense and yes. stuff like that. She's yes. mentally tough, right? She's just like Barty, where you just don't see her getting all worked up on yeah. the court. You just yeah. don't know what you can turn on the match and you wouldn't know if she's like winning or losing. She just boom game face like she and she she's nice. She's respectful. She's humble. Like she says, 
she's just such a great uh, face for our sport, right? Um, I love her, but I'm sad that she didn't get to wrangle number one away from Barty because that that was going to be fun to like watch them battle out. <sighs> Darn, we're not going to see that. That sucks. Yeah, and it was so nice, the kind of respect that she had for Ash Barty, and she had this incredible quote about becoming number one, even though I think it was only like a couple of days she was number two and then became number one, right? Mm -hmm. Something like that. Um, and, you know, totally respecting Ash Barty's choice and, you know, thought she described Ash Barty as brave for making that decision because people expect so much of you and that she put, Ash Barty put her happiness first, uh, before, you know, the championship feel in the game and staying on top. And yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about mental health, what it means to be a champion and how healthy you need to be mentally to be in that place. Yeah, It take takes a lot because that's kind of what Barty said. Part of the reason she was retiring was like, yeah, it looks all easy, but it's really taken so much from her, right? right like right. She, she was drained. So it probably did like just keeping it together for so long was really right. draining for her. Yeah. So, and uh, maybe I'll play an interview with, uh, Iga talking about, um, the difference between number two and number one. Um, and I think it's, she's ha she has really good coaches and people around her because she just talks about how she's trying to absorb, you know, the difference between number two, and number one for her, it wasn't, very much of a difference. She's just playing her game. Monday, April 4th, you will be the WTA World number one. Just talk us through your thoughts on the match and, and was the, the ranking playing on your mind at all tonight? Um, I wouldn't say that it was tonight because, you know, my main goal was to just be focused on the performance and on tennis and, uh, you know, on actual things that are going to help me to win. Uh, but for sure, for the last couple of days, I felt a little bit more pressure and, uh, yeah, the situation has been like more stressful than usual, but I'm pretty happy that I handled it really well and I could show my best tennis today. So um, it's again really proof for, for myself that I can handle that. So I'm really happy about that. So that said, when James Blake comes out with Flowers and Lindsay Davenport and they announced to the crowd what they didn't know, that you were going to be number one, what did that feel like? Pretty surreal. Um, yeah, I mean, on one hand, these are like the the most special moments that you're gonna remember for the rest of your life. But on the other hand, you know that match was just another match, and I before that match, I wanted to remember that the court is the same. You know, the opponents are are the same because we're on the same tour, and um, yeah, for sure, like. It hit me after the match because I was so focused on the performance that it, I didn't, you know, um, think about that during. But Lindsay Davenport, I mean, she's such a great player, and it's a real honor to get that, you know, not the trophy but the flowers from her. So I'm pretty happy, and uh, it was really nice meeting her actually because we didn't have a uh, chance to meet each other. Well, it's something I'm really proud <laughs> proud of, and you know, it's a dream come true for sure. It's that kind of Thing that I wanted to happen someday, but I, I didn't really know that it's gonna be possible for me. I mean, I always believe in myself, but you know, the probability that I'm gonna be, you know, number one, it was crazy for me before. And honestly, 
I just realized after Indian was that it may be possible. So um, I didn't really have time to digest even being second. And right now being first, I think I'm gonna need some time to reflect on that, you know? Well, first of all, I, I need to accept that the thoughts are gonna come in and it's gonna be pretty impossible to cut them off. Because, you know, I don't know, that was like the first time people got so excited and it was right before the tournament which usually happens after you know when you win and coming so uh, that was the first time I needed to act really quickly and really cut some um, I don't know social media off and just stay focused on a, on a job for sure um, you know talking to Daria helps a lot because I feel like I can I don't have to you know keep all these emotions um, inside I can you know also use my coach's experience and Daria's experience to um, stay focused on her job and yeah I did that so you know I always try to remember in moments like that that you know it's not a coincidence and I worked hard and I have you know skills and abilities to be in that place you just have to use them properly on the next match you know so yeah. Uh, Ash had some very nice things to say about the possibility of you becoming number one did you see that and what did that, that yeah, mean to you to have this sort of a unique handoff moment. Well, it's amazing. Um, I mean, she's such a great athlete, and really, hearing these kind of words uh, from her, it's. I mean, I'm pretty grateful. Um, and well, for sure, even when I was playing practices against her, I I felt um, like I'm, you know, not in that place still to. Uh, like really competing as her after Indian Wells in my mind it, it really like changed a lot because I thought that maybe right now I can actually you know I, I developed my game a lot and I can actually you know fight for you know being first so I always respect Ashley and she gave, gave me like a huge motivation you know to work on my tennis and he, hearing that words for, from her I mean it means a lot I don't know how to even describe it, so uh, I'm just thankful. It makes me think of Emma Raducanu, right, and the pressure that she has on herself because obviously being that U.S. Open champion and now everyone expecting her to have that super high level that happens during that run, being so young and having an incredible game, Physically, she's so strong, but obviously mentally there's got to be a buildup, right? For sure, and... uh... She actually gave Svantec quite a good little match the other day. I thought that was a good match. Yeah, that yeah. was that was really good. I was happy that she really, you know, did she did herself well, right? I mean, um, it's okay to lose to the number one player. She put up a good fight. Yeah, and it makes you feel like th- that's the kind of information you need to increase your game, right? Where are you compared to world number one? Where are you compared to the top players that are right there? And, you know, just like when you get to play Djokovic or Federer or, or Nadal, I mean, those times, I think most players would say that time is so invaluable, like that you even get that chance to hit with them and see what that feels like. I mean, I know I would die i would not get one point but <laughs> you might you never know they do but, they frame it every once in a while though no. <laughs> yeah that would be my only hope is there's a divot in the court and the ball bounces wrong or something there you go. But, 
but just the grass or something and get a bad bounce. (laughs) But just the idea that you get to see and feel and um, try to respond to that kind of ball, that kind of play, that kind of mentality of moving the ball around. Because I feel like uh, Schwantek doesn't need to have Ryan in her game yet. Like she's winning so easily in her style. And of course, she would not say easily. I mean, these are tough matches. She like averages losing like 10 games a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> she just went on a, tw- she's on a 23 match win streak or something like that. Um, she's 30 and three for the year. She's won the last four titles in a row. She has won 22 of 23 sets or something like that. I'm. I don't quote me on that. She's like lo- dropped one set in like the last four tournaments or something. Something along those lines. She's insane. It's easy. She does not need to kid us. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, it reminds you of a, a kind of a Roger or a Rafa run, right? Yeah. That they had. Djokovic is a little different. I mean, he he was definitely had his winning ways, but he never had that streak when he was young coming up because he had such heavy heavy players playing against and so he he lost a lot in the beginnings where he would get to semifinals or something but but end up losing and then finally he hit really hit his stride right i think yeah. it was 2016 where he completely dominated uh for a couple of years and yeah. and still is on top he's still world number one but it does feel like uh Iga is in that place where her form is dominant and now you now you can only hope that her health is uh intact that her body stays together because i mean that's what it's going to take like obviously she shows that she has the game but now the physicalness the training and uh and then of course everybody's gunning for her now right yeah well i think if you only like lose like four games a match and you average like 50 minute matches (laughs) <laughs> uh, if you need bad luck to get injured, you're probably going to stay healthy for a little while. <laughs> uh, I think yesterday's match, uh, the semifinal against um, Samsonova, Samsonova, uh-huh. however, was like the most tested she's been all year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Radikanu and Samsonova. Yeah, yeah, and then I guess in the final with uh, Sabalenka is really a great kind of picture of the differences of power versus you know strategy and absorption and movement Um, because definitely she was moving Sabalenka around and Sabalenka was moving better than I had seen her in a long time Mm -hmm. uh, and also was even drop shotting uh, Iga Swiatek and you know trying to get her to move so she obviously had a strategy um, but ultimately, I mean, Iga is so fast up to that ball and doesn't really miss those kinds of shots, doesn't give easy points away, and yeah, definitely a sign of a champion. She's super confident, and I actually feel like Sabalenka, her best surface is probably not clay, and it's obviously Iga's, so I, I was um, pleasantly surprised for, for uh, Sabalenka to get so far and to do, do so well. Yeah, and of course the serve is is the Achilles heel, right? Because I think it was even the first set she double faulted to give away the set. And, you know, that's been uh, something that she's been really struggling with. So you've got to think that that's kind of a mental thing. It's not that she doesn't have a great serve. You know, obviously she does. Yeah, I mean, she hit a decent amount of aces as well. Right. I think there was like six or eight or something like that. 
Um, and they actually really is what that's what kept her in the match a lot of times. Well, yeah. she actually had some really great backhand winners too. Um, yeah. Sabalenka's game is one of my least favorite to watch. I really don't get a lot out of it personally, yeah. like any enjoyment. So I'm not that familiar with her game. So when I watched today, I was like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, she does that good. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't even remember the last Sabalenka match I had watched before this morning. Yeah, I I think uh, four or five years ago, I was really excited about Sabalenka and uh, Anna Samova because I was starting to see on the women's tour these girls who were hitting a thousand times harder <laughs> than, than I had seen. Yeah. And it was just amazing the kind of pace and, and stroke that they can generate and uh, Anna Samova, so clean. The contact point is just so incredible. It reminds me a lot of the Italian player. Uh, oh, Georgie? George, yeah, Georgie, where you're just like, how does this girl hit so clean and so in front? You know? yeah. Also reminds me of Cece Bellis, uh, who came up 14-15 and had that run at the U.S. Open. Uh, these people are people who just completely rotate into the ball and are hitting so early and making such great contact that you know just clean 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 hitting and sabalenka is like that but it just shows you at the higher levels it takes so much more than clean hitting which is a great lesson for any high school player it's not about power right and most of the high school players that i play with that are are training and coaching all they want to do is hit as hard as they possibly can (laughs) i mean i I fall into that category sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> it just feels so good to whack the crap it out does. of the ball really hard, you know? It's the best part of tennis is that you can whack it. But maybe even better, one step better, is if you can whack it and it stays in. That's, yeah, yeah. That's pretty well, incredible. Well, I mean, I think the best thing is like what you said, what Barty was so good at is is when, when you're smart enough that you set up so that when you, you don't have to – you could play percentages still and you don't have to whack it that hard right. uh, that you can still hit a winner. Right. Because you've positioned someone you yeah. know, in, in the right way. I don't even know. I can't even remember the last time I played tennis. I'm sitting here trying to talk about... I'm like imagining and I'm like, what do I... I don't even know where I would hit it. I don't even remember. But Well, you have a, you have a wicked slice backhand just like Barty. I do. I do slice my backhand and I squash my forehand as well. But that's pure... <laughs> that's poor footwork. It, it's called, I didn't make it to the ball, so the only option is to slice it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, another big change, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about Simona Halep and uh, Patrick being oh, her Mortazu? new full-time coach. Yeah, yeah because this is, this is your boy because he coached Serena. Serena. Yeah. yeah, and he also he uh, coaches Sitsipas a little bit or works with him, right? I think Sitsipas is part of the Moritoglu academy yeah it seems like they're affiliated in some way but you never see them like coach being coach right so i'm, Correct. I'm not sure yeah, what happens I think, behind I think there's the an scene. affiliation but obviously yeah. sitsi pasta's real coach is his dad but right um right yeah so for sure i heard about this and then serena was like no i'm not retiring like <laughs> this is just like i'm not i don't need him at the moment and i okayed this right Right. <laughs> I approve this uh, message. No. <laughs> um, so that's good to know that Serena shut down any retirement rumors based on that. And then it's really cool. Like, I love Simona Halep and her game. So I hope this brings some something cool and fun and new and, you know, pushes her to the top again. Because I'd love, personally, I'd love to see her, you know, really contending yeah. again. 
Yeah. She has a fun game, I think. She's another one. She's very, she's full of variety and uh, she's smart. You know, she has a smart game. She's able to figure a lot of things out and her defense is so fun to watch as well. Yeah, I get afraid for someone like a Halep where she's uh, a, a great long-term player. Um, no, that's not the way to say it. Where I feel like she's a great physical player. But ultimately, it's going to be broken down by someone who has like more talent on a, a certain kind of shot. Sometimes you can outlast them for sure. But now she's getting older. And how high can her body go? in that kind of physical game you know it reminds me of the danish player the golden oh, retriever wozniaki Wo- serena's world- best friend <laughs> and she was she's a marathon runner too yeah. uh, you know incredibly physically fit got everything back the golden retriever but kind of missing that weapon you know that real killer instinct to put the ball away and have that shot so yeah, whereas I feel like an Emma Raducanu also has all those physical attributes, but also strikes the ball so much cleaner, so much harder. And it just feels like in women's tennis, the ball is coming back faster and harder. And even like Alayla Fernandez, who won in Mexico, right? She just won a title there. Uh, so smart and the way that she plays, very physical, but has these incredible angles that like people didn't hit with before I think they were just high percentage tennis, high percentage tennis. And then when you saw Raducanu and Fernandez play at the U.S. Open, the kind of uh, shots that they were hitting were like illogical in old tennis style where it's, uh, you know, it's impractical. It's not high percentage. You're literally going down the line, down the line, down the line three times in a row, you know, yeah. the, that kind of thing. And they're just going for that uh, advantage um, I see Alcaraz has that same kind of uh, shot. I guess I, I would say he he credits Federer as his inspiration in that way. The aggressive play where it takes so much footwork to not just do the normal thing, but to actually be in the right place to hit something that's extraordinary, uh, which is you know not what the other player is expecting. So very hard to do. Yeah. Oh, did you so see? Can, Al- did you see Alcaraz's? Um- Save match point against De Manure. The first I think it was match two. point. He was saved two? two, but the first one he saved on thirty forty. I think. Oh my <laughs> god! It was amazing, and it was really. It was. Re- it's definitely on a highlight reel somewhere. Like yeah. if you just look it up. It's, yeah, it crazy. he is. He is everyone's new favorite, right? I yeah. mean, he is so popular and hits the ball again. Another person who's just the. It seems like he hits the ball so much harder. Yeah. For sure. He did lose to Rafa last time they played. Yeah, but uh, I think he had been on a, a little bit of a winning streak himself. Um, and, you know, yeah. you're playing your idol, the greatest player who's ever played the game. Yeah. He gave him a good fight. Yeah. That was at Indian Wells, right? I think he so, He lost yeah. to him in the semifinals. Right. But he put up a really good fight. I mean, Nadal yeah. was definitely, you know, that was a coin flip there. A couple points yeah. here or there. <laughs> um, I'm excited about Alcaraz. Uh, he's he's exciting. I like like how you said he plays. He doesn't play just percentage all the time, right? You know, um, and that's that's exciting tennis to watch. Maybe not yeah. all the time. Sometimes it just means somebody's off the rail, and then they're just like hit 45 unforced errors and get yeah. their <laughs> kicked. But oh, <laughs> their butt kicked. Excuse my French. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun when someone like that is on, right? Those are shot makers. Those are the people you want to watch. Like, that's what makes tennis, like, wow, draw-dropping and stuff. Yeah, and Alcaraz definitely has that Nadal side of him where he can hit winners all day long, but he can defend better than most young players. I mean, I feel like he's a better defender than a Sitsipas or definitely a Zverev, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like he's even like he even looks faster than Demonor, who's like super super speedy and quick. Well, that was a that was a very close game. I mean, I feel like yeah, I feel like Demonor had his chances for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, he would. Yeah, he had two match, match points, points. so <laughs> and he couldn't he couldn't do it though. I don't know. Right. Alcaraz is great. I'm excited to. I'm excited to just see young players coming up, you know, yeah. because there was so much for me anyways, as a big, big three fan. So always is a special feeling. I, yeah, I've been thinking like, am I going to even like tennis anymore when they're all gone? Like what is, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot to be excited about, I think. Well, it definitely was an exciting moment for Rublev to be able to beat Djokovic uh, today, actually. At his home tournament. In Serbia. Bagel wow. the third set. Who gets to bagel Djokovic? Oh, my gosh. I am going to play some uh, audio of the Serbian crowd going crazy for uh, Djokovic on the second set. Just because what I was thinking is how hard it is for Rublev to win a point with the crowd just yelling and screaming against you, you know? Was there one person that was in there for Rublev? Rublev. <laughs> yeah. There was Maybe only his one. Coach. Yeah, his him coach. and his coach. <laughs> and and yet to be able to play so strong, and I feel like he does have that kind of game. And talk about it, being able to hit so hard. My gosh, uh, I've read that his racket is like weighted so much heavier than everybody else's racket. Uh, so if people want to look into that spec, uh, um, I don't have the exact weight but i know that it's a, a much heavier racket than most other people play with and that gives him that that stroke but wow how tough that is on your arm to be able to swing that you know yeah but i guess compared to wood rackets wood rackets were 14 15 ounces a lot heavier than our 11 but they were ounce. hitting their forehands at like 70 miles per hour <laughs> But still, their arm was not falling off at 14, 15 ounces, you know? So well, Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like their rallies were probably like 12 shots as well, too. Not like 29 <laughs> or something. Yeah, which again just shows how evolved tennis has become. It's insane. True for all sports. Like if you look at Nadia Comaneci in her perfect 10 gymnastic display, you know, versus uh, Simone. <laughs> uh, just incredible how sport has, how far can the human body go is, the, I guess, the question, right? You know, you bring up something that just sparked a, a memory when I was listening to Steve Simon's um, interview about yeah. the WTA 
they just kind of did like some fun little questions. They were asking him how he felt about uh, the WTA doing five set matches. Um, and he was like, if, if we're just talking pure equality, sure, I'll change tomorrow. Like if that's the debate we're going after, fine. I, I get it. We can do equal. But he's like, I don't, I don't think it's the right thing for tennis, period. He thinks it doesn't increase any value. It doesn't bring in viewership. Mo- most people can't handle watching more than 90 minutes of tennis. So yeah. he's like, what do you want a five-hour uh, match for? Um, and also the injuries. He's just like, do you, now we're just you know, increasing the risk for injuries because people are now playing, you know, five hour matches instead of three hour matches. Um, and I don't know what you were just talking about, about the, how the game has evolved, how like even just men like playing, well, they got rid of five set matches at the 1000 level. Right. So they basically only play it at the grand slams now. And then even just having it four tournaments a year, like look how many injuries the game has and how, because how physical it has become. It has become like gladiator. It's like gladiator tennis now. Yeah. It is not a sissy sport. Now I could see why somebody might have said that 30 years ago. <laughs> but it is not. It's no sissy sport. These people are ridiculous athletes. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's incredible. Some of the best of the best. I mean. Yeah. And that also reminds me about the other change that's happening at the slams where they're all kind of introducing now 10-point tiebreak for the end of the match rather than letting it play out. So we'll, yeah. we'll never, ever have again the Isner Mahu record three-day. 68 <laughs> <set>. <laughs> Which I think is good. I think it's healthy. I think it's good for... TV programming, you know, I think uh, it's good for the players, especially. It's good uh, for the fans, too. To, I mean, I don't even know if I'm in favor of it, but I definitely am in favor of this particular point. That, like, not every single slam has a different thing, right? You're like, wait, yes, which slam yes. happens at the, you know, you could just uniform scoring. Nobody has to be all confused at when the match is going to be over. Because for, I don't know, what, right. two, three years, it's been really confusing, Every slam, you're like, wait a yes. second, is this match yeah. point? No, wait, no, this one's this tournament's at seven. This one's at ten. Oh, this one, you know, they're all they were all different for like three years. Entering Davis Cup territory, you know, yeah. like with the math that you had to do for that stuff. It's like, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> totally. Well, you're you're talking about retirements. I, I know there are some other people you wanted to mention. Well, yes. Uh, Kleister's retired again, which is great. I mean, she's older. She came back. There wasn't really much going on, but she was one of my favorite, favorite players ever, ever, ever. So I'm just sad, you know, that I didn't even get to see her. Like I didn't go to Indian Wells the last two years, so I didn't even get to see her um, on this last run. But that's on me. So anyway. um, Kind of cool, though, how well she did in her comeback and to see her game. Again, against current players, I felt like, wow, it was actually, you would think it would be a huge disparity, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't as bad as I expected, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Her, I mean, her. think of how fun it would have been to see her like, you know, 10 years ago playing these people like. Yeah. Another super talented human being, right? 
Yes, I love her game. Was some people's games are just more fun to watch, you know? Um, yeah. And with her, probably a lot because of the sliding, you know, all the splits everywhere, you know, just yeah. the defending. Like sometimes when you just watch people do like superhuman, like Djokovic can just jaw drop, like ugh, because of his defensive skills. Like you see him like 14 feet in the corner of something, and he's like, <laughs> uh, you know, 100 yards a. In the other corner in like one second and he's just slipping and sliding all over the place. But um, yeah, so another. That also makes me think of how smart he is, uh, Djokovic, because I, I don't know if you watched the Hatchinoff match at all, but you would f- you feel like uh, in the semifinals, Hat- uh, Hatchinoff had a chance to really hit through Djokovic in the way that a Stan Wawrinka could do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he really has that power. He just doesn't have any variety. So in the uh, Hatchinoff won the first set. In the second set, Djokovic just completely changed his game style. Like he was swinging, but he wasn't swinging hard. So he wasn't giving him the pace to hit back. A lot of balls were shorter, or when Hatchinoff had to move a lot more. Lots of drop shots. Drop shot him to death, really. Uh, so it and. And then, obviously, it was an easy win for him at that point. But you just saw him play super easy, super comfortable, super compared to the first set where he was just getting hit off the court. Yeah. And how smart he was, you know, like an Ash Barty. He was able to change his game from that power to now I'm going to be really smart. I'm going to put the ball where he's not. And it was an easy win for him. So sad for Hatchinoff because you feel like he's so one-dimensional in that way. You know, he's got such power. Yeah, he's like the Sabalenka of men's tennis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, actually, uh, you're, another one of your power girlfriends was uh, Pliskova. Yeah. No, I haven't well, heard her. Big is serve. She, is she still playing? How come She's still playing. Yeah. Uh, I saw like her. injured or anything? I haven't heard anything about I think about she her. did come back from injury, yes, but she just recently came back in the same tournament that Sabalenka was in. Oh, the Stuttgart. Yeah. She was playing in Stuttgart. Oh, well, that's clay though, red clay. Probably, oh, probably not her finest. Yeah, and it was surface. it was your your new girl Sam Samo- Sam Sonova oh. <laughs> who, who beat Pliskova six four six four. I would not yeah. call her my new girl. I would just say I was really impressed with her. I I don't even know the right word because it's it's a uh, it's very just matter of fact. Like she just had a very um, impressive physical stature yeah like uh i was like wow what an athlete she just looks so fit and strong i was just really impressed with her yeah physique i guess and obviously she was fit and strong she made it to the semifinals, so that's kind of impressive yeah yeah she and she really gave you know Svantec a good run for her money um she had good power and and defense and all the shots so let's see if she uh can turn that into anything. I'm I uh I have no faith in a lot of these players. I just think right. like they have a good tournament and then and then they just go back to round of 16 life. Um right. so well, call me speak- call me when you have like four quarterfinals and maybe I'll let you in my, <laughs> maybe I'll let you in my club. No. <laughs> Well, and speaking of power, power forehands and hitting the ball clean, I mean, we have to give up some love for Del Potro. Yes. Actually, that's so funny. When you when you were talking right now, I was like, oh, uh, you know what? I guess I'll go back to the retirements like later. <laughs> um, Del Potro. Yes. Talk about big backswing, too. 
when you were talking about Sharapova and how she swings way back yeah. for her arm, I was thinking yeah. of Del Potro. Super, super long swing. So what about Del Potro? Just plagued, plagued with injury. But I mean, he came up with Djokovic and Andy Murray. I mean, they were all at that same age and that same level, I think, where they're all playing each other in juniors, if I remember correctly. I didn't realize he was their age. I I thought he was younger. That's cool. Yeah. And so, you know, they all had kind of a connection with playing together and just amazing to see him come up. And of course, that that incredible win at the U.S. Open. That was not incredible. That's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> if, there's, if there's one match in tennis history I could change, that's not true. It would be Wimbledon. Tied, it would Wimbledon. Be Wimbledon against Djokovic. But if there was a second one I could change. Actually, you know what? I think I might change that one because that might have, you know, might have changed some more good stuff for Federer. But... Oh God, I I I love Del Potro. He's a good guy, but as a Federer yeah. fan, I just barf all over that statement of his win at the U.S. <laughs> Open. His one, like he didn't even make anything of it. It just became a one-hit wonder who took out my baby out of greatness. Oh, that was heartbreaking. That was 2009. It was the year I actually went to the U.S. Open. Yeah. So I really wanted Roger to win. So pissed. You could tell I'm holding a grudge. Yeah, and I mean, not only was that win incredible, but also his Olympic wins and his Olympic run was incredible and how he took out Djokovic when Djokovic was really in his prime and we thought probably the best chance he had to medal. And it was really tough, I think. Yeah, I'm not going to be mad about that. I was happy about that one. I was like, yeah, I was a Delpo fan that day. I think it's something like five times that Djokovic has come to the Olympics and has not medaled, which is crazy. Maybe yeah. uh, the next Olympics he'll du- he'll play some doubles just so he can at least get. You have to think that like he'd have a fine time. Well, I guess I don't know. He would need um, that guy. Uh, oh, he just played someone at the Serbian Open in round one that really tested him. J- it was like D J E. Oh yeah, T E uh-huh. or R E uh-huh. or something. R E, yeah. Okay, yeah, J R A or something. Yeah. Maybe that could be a doubles partner. That that guy seemed young. Yeah. But yeah. Well, what a, what? So Del Potro had a ton of injuries. And well, he had really both just wrists. couldn't. He, yeah. Have um, a career that we all like had hoped for. I think he could have gone farther, but wow, he was just so good. I I remember being at Indian Wells watching a Del Potro match with Del Potro versus Djokovic. And it's one thing to watch it on TV, but we had really good seats at that time. So we were like almost in the front. And at that time, that was when Del Potro's wrist was so hurt that instead of hitting a two-handed backhand where he could come over the ball, he would heavy slice his backhand every time. And his slice was harder than I could ever hit the ball. It was amazing. You think of it as a passive shot? No, this was incredibly powerful how how hard he hit that slice backhand. I literally was swearing and dropping F-bombs every time they were hitting because they would have these like five, 10 point rallies and the ball was going so fast and so hard. Even with his slice backhand, it was insane. It was so good. And 
boy, for sure in that moment, it cemented how good he was. He's such an incredible player. Like like a Stan Wawrinka, I think he could hit through anybody, you know? Yeah, that forehand was just ridiculous. Ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, I think just maybe his height and the and maybe the you know, physical training has become so much a part of the game now where you see like a Riley Ilpelka who is seven feet is so much better at moving than like a John Isner who's also seven feet, right? And you just feel like the physical training of these younger players is so much more advanced uh, in the way that they understand the mechanics and the movement. And I feel like the older generation, there wasn't as much fitness um emphasize and i think actually simona was one of the first people right who hired a physical coach and said i want to be a better mover and really kind of change the game for women as well nice i didn't know know that tidbit about her but Mm. i i think maybe what what we've seen as well to what you're saying is like federer djokovic nadal big three all around what six two yep but then everyone like kind of coming behind them that that have been you know really up there and, and testing them like the the next you know three to five slot after the big three the yeah. Sitsipas the Zverev um, they're all like Medvedev. six six Med- Medvedev. Medvedev yeah they're all like six six to six seven or so right like yeah. they're much taller yeah um, and they move like when you watch them play you do not think they're that tall. Because they move amazing. Right. I just listened to this tennis podcast recently with Medvedev's trainer. And they were, he was talking about, he doesn't play tennis at, at all, the, the trainer. He came up as a soccer fitness trainer. And so they hired him, brought him into the tennis camp, and helped him to achieve his physical uh, strength and getting to that next place, you know, and actually he, Medvedev was talking also about Indian Wells and how he was really struggling to move at Indian Wells and how he did so poorly on slow surfaces. That's like his number one focus right now is just to be able to move better on slower surfaces so he can play those kind of points. And this is, this is the world number two, you know what I mean? (laughs) So that's incredible that someone at that level can think about training and, you know, and improving their body. And, uh, and unfortunately he has the most to lose by not playing at Wimbledon being Russian, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of points. A lot of points. And I feel like he could go far, you know, um, if he really works on his movement, uh, his game is, is incredible. Even though I, I would never teach people to hit the way that he hits. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting style. I'm like, does anybody teach that? I don't think (laughs) so. I feel like he just figured that out on his own and was like, I'm just not changing. Yeah. And you get that feeling that he is that I'm going to go my own way rebel kind of guy. Right. Yeah, for sure. But it works. I mean, he's, he's able to outlast and out, out hit most players. So can you refresh my memory? It, what's going on with him? I feel like I haven't seen or heard his name in a while. Is he injured or is um, he just like not playing that, the that's past a good few question. tournaments? Yeah, I feel like I, I haven't seen him for months. Was he since Indian Wells? Did he even play Indian Wells? He played Miami? Indian Wells because he, he talked about not playing well there. Did he play Miami? Uh, on Twitter, it says that he has a small hernia that he had oh, been playing Oh, yeah, he with. had surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, he had that hernia removed. It was like a surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay, I forgot. 
It wasn't like that important. I think also because it's clay season, he's just probably, you know, this is perfect timing for him. He doesn't probably even want to play anyway. Yeah, on the slower surfaces. But yeah, he did play Indian Wells and Miami. Okay. But speaking of clay season, which is in full force right now and leading up to Roland Garros. uh, In the retirement news, Songa, French player, has announced he will retire after the French Open this year. And hopefully, yours truly, Valerie Garcia, will be there to see him play. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? You're going to Roland Garros? I am going to Roland Garros. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I don't. So the tickets are sold out. So I'm going to have to like, (laughs) I'm going to have to like scalp scalp them. Yeah. And pay an arm and a leg. I'm sure they'll be available somehow. Number one goal is to see Rafa. So always is a special feeling. Right. Oh, wow. But I don't, I don't really know because the schedule won't be out. And then if uh, there's a whole like thing in my head, I'm uh, totally open to you or anyone who's listening. If you have any suggestions, I'll put it out on Twitter. Absolutely. My, my thing is, is if I, we're only, we're only going to be there the first four days of the tournament, like Sunday, okay. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and then we're coming home. I don't know which day to pick tickets, right? Like, um, because I think the first three days is round one. So yeah. which which day is Rafael Nadal going to land on? <laughs> I We don't, we're like, oh, what day do we get tickets? Like, we don't want to well, get Well, he's going to have for... a draw. He's going to have a buy on round one. So he's No, gonna... no, no. As, uh, ground slams don't have buys, right? Oh. I think all the other tournaments have buys, but I don't think uh, slams have buys. Oh, okay. So he won't. So he'll play either Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Wow. Um, and then we were trying to like look up the last few years to see like when he's played. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. You know. Um. But here's the thing: this is the first year they're having night match, night session. Wow. The French Open never had night session before. It was just yeah. you know they played until the lights until the natural light went. But right. they have lights now, so now they have night sessions this year. So it's very hard to tell. Do we get day session, night session, both? What day? Blah, blah, blah. Then it's like, okay, we could buy them before now. We could buy them now before the draw is out and just guess. But we probably And how, how is that night session going to affect Rafa, who's never played Under Roland Garros at night? Well, wow. he's, he's, he's actually played a lot of afternoon, like the last yeah. match of yeah, the yeah, day, yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. not under lights. Yeah, it's right. way different. Very different, yeah. The Should glare. be very interesting. But wow. my my worry is if we wait until the draws out, and too we, late, and, and then we go to buy the tickets, and yeah. we know it's Nadal's day, we're just going to yeah. get gouged because someone's going to be like, "Oh, you want to see Nadal? Two thousand dollars, you know, whatever." Right. So I don't know if, if my, you can even get them by then. Exactly. So my thing is, is I'm think I'm leaning towards just gambling and buying two days and being like, hopefully he plays day two or three. Yeah. Uh. So you do? Would you support that theory? That's what I feel like you're leaning towards. I think so. I mean, I, I think that they would schedule him like with that extra day, just the favoritism that he gets at Roland Garros. <laughs> you have to be our traveling correspondent there. You have to give us like reports and, and just do a little recording on your phone and talk about how it's going and everything. Sounds good. I'll totally will do that. Oh my gosh, that's going to be so incredible. I'm I so know. happy for you. Me too. And you know what I want to do? We're in France for... Six days, I think. Yeah. We're we're there for four days while the tournament's on. I want to be there like every day, right? I'm like, who of cares? Course. I don't even want to see anything. I just want to go to the French <laughs> Open every day. Um, 
So we'll see. I have to figure it out. Obviously, I'm going with uh, my BFF, Nicholas. So, right. Um, Our former Rafa reporter. Yes. Yeah, so I. I gotta, you know, I gotta get his blessing too, because you know, I'll easily just be like, I'll pay whatever, and I'll just go every day and watch yeah. Yeah. French Open tennis every day. <laughs> um, so we shall see, but yeah, it would be really, really cool in my mind. Obviously, Rafa's the number one goal. You want to see the greatest clay court player ever, besides Chrissy Everett, uh, on their surface, right at the French yep. Open, where he's won what, like, fourteen of his. 21 have come from <laughs> like <laughs> ridiculous right um and then of course I, i'd love to see iga play right i think wow. this might be the defending champion this year. yeah wow um and wow. then of course i'd love to see songa and his yeah. farewell Mate, yeah farewell tour wow what if i got to see his last match oh gosh like what if i went and i just rooted for him to lose just so i could say i was at the last one <laughs> <laughs> just kidding that's so mean but i'm feeling jokes a, like a joke yeah, right we, now we need personalities like sangha in tennis though you know he was such a positive force so such a an engaging person to watch and so it just made you feel great about tennis and we need that we need much more uplifting players right now yeah, he was definitely one of my favorites back in the day. I don't think he lived up to his potential at all. No. Um, injuries obviously have a lot to do with that. but um, And because I love Federer, and it, it probably would have just taken away from Federer's greatness. Right, so right. I'm fine that he was had a mediocre career. <laughs> but I did really like him, and so it will, it will be nice if I get to and see him. And you do feel like there is a kind of a drought from the French Federation for tennis right now because really the last kind of great hopeful that I can think of is uh, uh, Poulet, right? Oh, Pouy. Luca Pouy. Luca Pouy, yeah. Luca Pouy. I mean, he really had some potential. It seemed like he was coming up. and But I, I can't even think of a young French male that, uh, is close. Obviously, Gail Monfils is keeping it alive and doing incredibly well and uh, is having somewhat of a renaissance. Uh, I also really like Manorino's style right now. I don't know if you've seen him play, but he has reinvented his game and he now hits, uh, I saw he hits with a racket that's strung under under like 32 pounds or something. Oh, so wow. It's, it's just this crazy style of play that he has now where he's almost not swinging full anymore but he's really just like controlling the ball moving the ball being super crafty in the way he plays and he's had some really good runs in the last couple of years where you you would feel like someone like a manarino's done right i mean like never never broke into you know the top 10 but wow i just love watching him play right now he's very interesting to watch for sure. And I like sitting here racking my brain for like a, te a young tennis, French tennis player. And I'm like, yeah. I'm totally drawing a blank. But um, I, I mean, I Ajay Aliassim as Canadian is like yeah. French Canadian is the closest. <laughs> totally. So I just Googled it because I was like, I know there's this one person. It's Herbert, Pierre Hugh Herbert or whatever. But Oh, but he's 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 past his prime. He, he's the one who's. He was the doubles champion. That one? Oh, was he? Maybe. I thought he... Yeah, you're probably right. I thought he was a little younger. I thought he was like in his mid-20s. But not because every... Not, I'm oh, not sure. Oh, oh, 
maybe it's Ugo Umber. That's who it is. Oh, I'm thinking okay, Ugo Umber. Okay. I think is the younger one, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I I mean Airbear, Umber. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I sound like an idiot. I sound like people who like confuse Federer and Ferrer or something like that. Like. <laughs> We just sound do like Americans. Do you even watch tennis? Are you even a fan? What do you know about this? Um, yes, I am. A t- I am such an American. I'm sorry. Well, Valerie, I feel like that's a super high note to end this podcast. That you are going to the French Open. That's incredible. Yes, I'm and super excited. I'll take pictures. Yes, and tennis pal and podcast recordings. fans, you have something to look forward to. Reports from France. From our very own. I mean, that's going to be super exciting. I would just love for you to just turn your phone on and and just hear the crowd. You know, just to hear the feel of what's happening and and the full report. So yeah, whatever time you can give us, that would be amazing. Yeah, it should be interesting. It's the smallest stadium of all the Grand Slams. So yeah, that will like it'll be even smaller than Indian Wells. So that will be. Was it last year that they had that crazy rush in one of the... Oh, where everyone got trapped or something? Yeah, a little bit of a stampede, right? I think so, yeah. So, wow. say a prayer for me. <laughs> I'll just hide behind, behind Nicholas because he's so Running big. of He'll the just, bulls. Yeah. I'll just be like, Nick, save me, big, big strong man. Um, well, one more time, shout out to Tennis Pal for sponsoring the Tennis Pal Chronicles. It's a super great app that you can download and find people to play with. And Valerie and I do it all the time. We really encourage you to go check it out and support Tennis Pal because I feel like it's run by people who really care about tennis. It's not like a corporate thing. It's really people who love tennis and want more people to play and really care about you as a, as a tennis player. So want to really encourage that. Yes. Tennis Pal. I'm going to use it today. Go all right. Play. That's it. Valerie, thank you so much for all your time, and it was great to just just reminisce about tennis again, and just to be in that space with you. You know, that's I, I feel like we're 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 in love when we're in that space, and I just love that. Yes, tennis is the best, people. <laughs> so go play tennis, and as our catchphrase always says, we hope that all your serves are, are aces. aces.